We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC. Choose UPMC for your family's health care needs close to home. Visit UPMC.com slash Central PA for a complete list of services and locations. Healthcare equity. What is it and why is it needed? On today's program, we have James Rockenbach, who is the Chief Community Impact Officer for Union Community Care in Lancaster, and Dr. Cherise Hamblin, who is an OBGYN and owner of Patients Are Waiting Healthcare nonprofit. All right, so we're just going to jump into things right here. So my um, first question here, kind of a big one, um, but it's also very important as well. So what role does integrating body, mind, and heart play in achieving Healthcare equity. And uh, James, we'll start with you and, and then we'll go to you, Dr. Hamblin. Great. Well, thank you again for allowing me to, to take part today. Sincerely appreciate it. Um, you know, at Union, we really look at, you know, mind, body, heart, spirit, community, and so many more things as being a critical part of, of total health care for a person. And uh, we try to achieve those goals um, in, in, in as in as equitable a way as possible, mm. um, really thinking about the the locations where we provide the types of care that we do, how many services we offer, um, how often we get out into the community to meet people where they are. Um, you know, I think one of the lessons that we learned during COVID was that no matter how many brick and mortar locations you have, there are still people that are not being reached. Yeah. And I think in terms of really, really um, thinking through what equity means to us as an organization, it's not trying to encourage people to come to us, but really looking how can we get to them in, um, in every way possible. So certainly the decisions we make every day um, lead us down the path of trying to be a more equitable organization. We always have more we can do, mm. um, but uh, as I had mentioned uh, recently, um, our leader, uh, Elisa Jones, our president and CEO, really makes equity the forefront of everything we mm. talk about. Um, even the, the most serious discussions we have to the ones that would be considered the smallest decisions we have to make in, in that entire range, uh, the focus is on how to be an organization that sparks equity and really, really reaches out to that community. And um, for for you, Dr. Hamblin, uh, what role does integrating body, mind, and heart play in achieving healthcare equity? Well, I appreciate the question, and I think my perspective is slightly different, mm. right? As when I think about why did I become a physician, uh, some things that come to mind are, you know, being nosy, liking to be in charge, and and then wanting to help people. So a lot of times students will say, you know, their first thing is I want to help people. There's lots and lots of ways that you can help people. But I think that the desire to become a physician, your mind is thinking in a certain way about what role you want to play and how you want to do things. And then you get down that, you know, 10-year journey and you realize that what you do in a patient interaction really only impact has about a 20% mm. impact on, on the patient. 
that, you know, patients live and play and work in communities and in environments and those environments and those settings really impact the health outcomes. And so to me, integrating mind, body, spirit, heart, all of these things are essential to being a healthcare person uh, because if you are solely focused on, let me write you this prescription, you will have missed the whole the whole point. Is the medical field moving more towards this this equitable healthcare, or have you seen it kind of backslide here? I, mean, I think that we there's the ideals, right? The ideals mm-hmm. of medicine, and then there's the reality. Um, part of part of racial health equity, right? Understanding that differences that we see in outcomes in racial groups has to do with racism. Mm. That's an essential piece of understanding. And I think a lot of times organizations will shy away from the big R. It's like, oh, it's a nasty word. Um, You know, I kind of, I try to, if I don't use that word 10 times a day, uh, I haven't (laughs) been, I haven't been doing the right things or having the right conversations. Um, When I think about uh, just how important it is to name a thing that allows us to recognize what we're up against. And then in order to fight racism, we have to be comfortable advantaging black people and other people of color. Mm. Uh, And so when we take that lens or we take that approach, then we can do what union does every day with like coming to say, who am I serving? Who am I here for? And then prioritizing that population and doing what's necessary to meet the needs to have the desired effects that we want to have. Mm, the the big R word you said, and and I think that that is that is a big fear uh, for for a lot of um, folks of color that that are are thinking about you know racist doctors. You know that is that is something that just you know sends sends a cold cold chill down my spine because you would hope and 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 believe that that your doctor and your healthcare uh, pr- provider would have um, an equitable lens. So with this equitable lens uh, here, we're going to go uh, back to you, James. Uh, what role uh, do patient advocates play in promoting equity within the health care system? Sure. So I think um, to Dr. Hamblin's a very important point, I think it certainly is a work in progress in terms of kind of patient advocacy at that level. Mm. Um Speaking from unions' perspective specifically, as a federally qualified health center, um, we are required to have at least 51% of our board of directors be patients that are active within our organization. Oh, wow. So not only are we getting feedback from our patients, but we are literally a patient-led organization. Mm -hmm. Um, That certainly provides some significant advantages um, just in terms of having Um, direct contact with people who are being served by us and direct feedback. Um, It's so valuable to be able to hear from patients every day, but particularly to be able to have those patients make the decisions that will ultimately affect tens of thousands of other patients down the road, I think is critical. So from a micro perspective, Union Community Care certainly sees the benefit of patient advocacy um, in leading the charge to a more equitable organization, so much so, again, that um, that they lead from the top, which is excellent and, uh, again, provides us feedback that is uh, critically important. 
Mm. And um, Dr. Hamblin, uh, for yourself, um, when I think about these these, these patient advocates, um, um, patients are waiting. Your business comes into mind. Uh, so, so I'm not going to force you to talk about patients are waiting. Uh, but uh, what role do you think patient advocates play in promoting equity within healthcare systems? Patient advocates are so important. And if you think about it, right, advocacy, you're speaking up, you're speaking up and you're speaking out. Mm -hmm. And so when you are in the role as a patient, you're not going to be at your best Mm. because you're vulnerable. And so even a person who in their daily life is able to do, you know, all of the things or, you know, to point out all of the things, I think when, when you are in the patient role, you should be able to be comfortable and you should be able to be uh, to take that moment and be vulnerable, mm. not be sitting there fearful, like I have to now kind of uh, figure out the right thing or figure out if this person is treating me well. Um, when I think about racism, I think again that you ha- we have to understand that racism acts at many levels. Mm. And so when I said, you know, patients, they live, they work, they play in communities. And guess what? Racism is, at, is, a, is a force, in, in all of those areas, right? It's not just interpersonal. And so I think about that, the idea of like, well, maybe my doctor is racist. You know, I think doctors are good. They want to help and, you know, is first do no harm. Mm. And so the idea of, you know, this kind of bad actor and I'm going to see someone who, you know, really doesn't want to see me, I think that that's going to be few and far between. Mm-hmm. What really on the interpersonal level is kind of like what, is our mind trained to, and a lot of this unconscious bias, right? And we're mm. implicit bias. And so that's on the individual level. When we think about on a societal level, say we say where we work, well, you have sometimes where there's organizations and you work and everyone uh, who is a person of color is on the lowest pay, pay grade. And as you go up, there's less and less diversity. And so that's how we understand like kind of racism on a, on a, you know, in a, in a, working environment level mm-hmm. when we understand racism on a community level which may talk about segregated housing or or school funding etc and so there are many um there are many levels that uh, racism can be at play and i think that the important uh thing as far as achieving health equity is that we have to understand how uh specific to racial health equity how there are there are levels at which we have to kind of see and understand that Beyond the patient experience, it is also how uh, our patients come to us through uh, through the different scenarios that we're, we're all living through. Um, and with specific to patients are waiting, you think about advocacy again. When you're the patient, whether I, I'm a doctor, whether I'm a school teacher, or I'm a recently immigrated person, you know, to to a country, when I'm in a healthcare environment, I am going to be vulnerable. And uh, having advocates at all levels, the doctor, the nurse, the front office person, I think that there's many ways to speak up and to be helpful uh, for someone who is not able to use their voice as they might usually be able to. Uh, And I think that there's an advocacy role that we can all play. Mm. There's an advocacy role we can all play. I have this thing on the spark where I like to say, put that on a shirt. And that is that is certainly something that I definitely uh, would love to see on a shirt. And you all have actually partnered with Patients Are Waiting uh, for for this uh, Health Equity Music Festival 
that has been going on for the last uh, five weeks here. My my first question here is, why did you all decide to partner up with this venture? Sure. Great question. Thank you. Um, patients are waiting uh, really, in our opinion here at Union, is a perfect example of uh, on-the-ground, impactful patient advocacy, meeting people where they are, um, making healthcare accessible, making conversations about healthcare accessible, and dare I say, fun and entertaining and family-friendly. Um, the importance of being able to have these conversations about healthcare in the communities where people live, work, and play just makes so much of a difference. Um, you know, we can have um, symposiums or meetups or patient-centered uh, gatherings at our locations, which are also important as well. But there's just something about connecting with people where they are with music that's enjoyable, with with camaraderie and mm -hmm. family-friendly opportunities to gather amongst your community and hear about things that are important to everybody. Um, and I think it also reinforces the notion from Union's perspective that partnering with patients are waiting allows us to provide information on our services and allows people to feel seen. They're mm. actually seen in their own community. We are coming to them. And I think there's something about that that allows us as union, as an organization, to reiterate to people that they matter most. Mm. They should lead their health care. We should be coming to them. And I think when we look at patients are waiting and, and, and the, the festival itself, it's just such a perfect delivery system to do that. And um, we were thrilled and honored to partner. And um, the feedback has been outstanding, frankly. Patients love it. The community's enjoying it. And that's really what we're about here is promoting that. I will tell you this, James. I think that you're uh, in my notes because I was I was definitely going to uh, bring up about um, shaping one's own individual health care um, and and what what that would look like. I'm, I'm going to put a pin in it because uh, I'm not going to ask that just yet because uh, I want to ask uh, Dr. Hamblin about uh, the Health Equity Music Festival and and the kind of response uh, that that you have received uh, thus far during this current season of, of, of the Health Equity Music Festival? Well, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's really tiring, but <laughs> um, tiring in the best possible way. Mm. I think that one of the things that I learned in the pandemic, I've, a, lot of, um, a lot of medicine and a career in medicine is like delayed gratification. You know, you put off this thing so that you can kind of put your head down and into your books. Um, I grew up in church. I was in the church every weekend, all weekend. Uh, <laughs> so I know about a revival. Ah. <laughs> and then, you know, you think about, like, I, I think that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of experiences throughout life that I have had that are, you know, positive, um, enjoyable. And then I think with COVID, when we were doing, you know, pop-up vaccinations and things like that, there was so much fear and it was so strange to be in this very fear-inducing season of life and then have something so powerful in the pop-up vaccine events where it was like such a release, such an um, invigorating moment of being together when you had been afraid. And even the, <clears throat> the, the amount of community organizing that it took to make some of these events happen, mm. you realized how much power and strength our own communities have. 
And so, you know, whether it was, you know, ladies at, you know, Brightside Opportunity Center or Brightside Baptist Church or the people at the NAACP or different community groups that were just ready and willing and able to come together with the Health Equity Music Festival. This is our third year doing this. And, you know, it really did come out of what was the experience we had with vaccine clinics and what made them so enjoyable and what made, you know, so many people willing to just give of their time and energy uh, and how do we take some of the best of that? What were we missing? Uh, and trying to or say, how can we build on it further? And I think that that is kind of the idea behind the music festival was really saying, look, kicking off the new year, lots of people say new year, new you. Mm-hmm. You don't need a new you. You may need a healthier you. You may benefit, you know, but you are wonderful just as you are. Now, how can we connect, you know, the dots for some, some of the things that are, uh, it's an opportunity to kind of realign your actions and your decisions with your own priorities, um, really putting, again, the person at the center. So uh, some of the things with where we are now, as we've iterated on this process, are you know really saying, union, you understand us, we understand you. All right, what does this look like in planning together? Uh, also saying, like, how do we, uh, what's necessary to be available and how do we add other people who are interested on board. But like, how do we kind of say, let's pull our strengths uh, and then and then go from there. And and that's it's really been a, a wonderful, wonderful ride. Um, going back to you, James, what opportunities exist for individuals to actively participate in shaping their own healthcare experiences? Sure. So at Union, we really, really um, are leaning in as much as we can in terms of giving uh patients options and not just options, but again, leading from the front and telling us what they need. Um, That includes a lot of different things. For example, uh, just tomorrow, we are getting our first mobile medical unit delivered here to our location. So that was something that patients um, asked for during the pandemic. Mm. Why can't we have uh, mobile clinics that are on the move that can come to our communities, come to our events that are basically fully built out exam rooms that can do anything that can be done in a clinic. So we have that. Um, We are increasing our telehealth and virtual options Hmm. to make sure that patients, if they want the convenience of having health care from home or from their car, from wherever it's most convenient for them to do that. And along those lines, we're really, uh, when we talk about equity, um, Elisa has given us a term, or Elisa Jones, our president, um, this concept of techquity, of really looking at technology and not just assuming that because we think everybody has a smartphone now, that all virtual technologies in the healthcare realm are going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we're really working hard to try to gather data and and really find out what is what is technology, what are the pros and the cons, and how does it enhance equity, and how does it is it a detriment to equity just based on how it's deployed. So um, those are just a few of the things. There are many many things that we're doing internally, uh, but again, I think what it comes down to for us as an organization is just each decision we make is led by what do our patients need? What do they want? What are they telling us? And that's how we're going to provide that as opposed to um, a perspective of, well, we have the healthcare experts. We know what's best for you. We'll go ahead and give that to you. Number one, I think that's flawed logic. I don't think that provides the best care. I'm certainly not a doctor, but that's just anecdotally. Mm. Um, But number two, I think to Dr. Hamlet's point earlier, the data just doesn't back it up. 
I mean, yeah. the data backs up when you meet people where they are, when you let them lead their healthcare journey, when you let them tell you what they need and where they need it, and, and you use your professional expertise to guide them on your journey. I think your outcomes are just so much better. Healthcare the right way. I love it. I'm here for it. Put that on a hashtag. I would like to thank you both uh, for joining me on The Spark. Uh, this, this has been great. The information uh, that you gave our listeners today, uh, I, I am sure they picked up what y'all put down. Uh, so before uh, we we head on out, uh, for anyone that is listening, uh, James, if they wanted to uh, get in contact uh, with Union to Community Care, possibly become a patient, what would be the um, best way to get, get in contact? Uh, the best way would be uh, going to our website at unioncommunitycare.org, all one word, Spelled out sounds union community care.org. We are taking new patients. Our doors are open medical, dental, behavioral health, social services, pharmacy, on and on and on it goes. Dietitian, if you if you have something that you want to do to enhance your health care experience, we're here to serve. 